Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life He gives. Um, well, today is, is the second Sunday of a- Advent, and you can see back here, if I lower my music stand, an Advent wreath that the Stewart family made for us. So thank you guys for making that for us. You can see the second candle is lit because today's the second Sunday of Advent. If you're new to Advent, Advent is a season on the church calendar where we wait. Advent is a season where we wait for the coming of Christ. Uh, Not just as a baby on Christmas, but in our lives and in the future when he's going to come again, when Jesus is going to return. And Advent is a season in the church calendar that's very countercultural. And it's countercultural because the purpose of Advent is to slow us down. And Christmas time is not a season when we slow down, right? It's known as the, the hustle and bustle season. It's the busy season. We have parties to go to. I just went to a work party with my wife, Michelle, on Friday night. We have work parties and family parties and neighborhood parties. There's decorating you have to do which we're going to be doing some today. I guess we have to go get our tree today. There's shopping you have to do. There's baking, and sometimes we travel, so we have to pack and we have to travel for the Christmas season. Christmas season is busy, not slow. But Advent is designed to slow us down. And December um, isn't just flu season. How many people do you know who are sick right now? Right? I have lots of friends who are sick right now. December is not just flu season, it's also peak season for something called hurry sickness. Do you know what I mean by hurry sickness? Hurry sickness is, is when you're chronically short on time. You're rushed. You're busy. Right? You're anxious. And so what I thought we could do this morning before I preach a little bit is I thought we could do a self-diagnosis together in the room to see how hurry sick we are. And so I have a list of common symptoms of hurry sickness from John Mark Comer's book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I want to unpack some of these symptoms and and maybe invite you all with me to do a self-diagnosis just to measure the amount of hurry sickness that's currently in our lives. Okay, the first common symptom of hurry sickness that Comer lists in his book is irritability. This is when you you get frustrated and annoyed easily, right? When you live with an ongoing low-grade grouchiness, and you can't look at your person sitting next to you right now. You just need to be, this is a (laughs) self-diagnosis. If I don't say that, there's going to be elbows flying and smirks and looks. Um, This is... uh, an ongoing low-grade grouchiness. And now this symptom usually only appears when you're with people who you feel comfortable with, right? This, this symptom, irritability, probably is not going to appear in church today. If it does, then it's a really heavy symptom. <laughs> you're symptomatic. But usually this symptom of irritability only shows up when we're with people we're close with and we're comfortable with. That's when this symptom presents itself. Here's another symptom, common symptom of hurry sickness, emotional numbness. And by this, uh, we mean a limited capacity to feel another's pain, to feel another's hurt or hardship. We just don't have the emotional energy for it. Have you ever been there? 
um, your ability to empathize is diminished. A third common symptom of, of hurry sickness is out-of-order priorities, where, where you're constantly getting sucked into the urgent. Right? You have priorities, you have things that are important to you, but you can't always get to them because the, these urgent things suck you in. Right? Your life is reactive instead of proactive. You're always reacting to what's happening. There's always something coming up that's urgent. You rarely get around to the things that are important to you. You stop caring about the things you care about. Those are out-of-order priorities, a symptom of hurry sickness. A fourth one is restlessness. How are we doing with this diagnosis so far? We've got a number left to get through, so just keep, keep, keep tracking. A fourth one is restlessness, and that's, that's when you try to slow down and rest, but you can't relax. Right? When you, when you try to stop moving and be still, your body and your mind don't know what to do. They freak out on you. Right? You're still, you're quiet, you're sitting, you have nothing to do, and you just like, your, your, your skin's crawling because <laughs> it doesn't know how to do that always looking for the next dopamine fix, right? Reach for your phone, whatever it is. Restlessness. Um, another common symptom of hurry sickness is workaholism, when you just don't know when to stop working. And with workaholism also comes something known as sunset fatigue. You know what sunset fatigue is? It's when, it's when you get through the day and you work hard and, and, and go fast, and then when you get home at night, there's nothing left to give. That's called sunset fatigue. And so that's a symptom, a common symptom of hurry sickness. Another one is not caring for your body because you just don't have time for it. Um, it's just hard to, 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 to make time for exercise. You live off caffeine and sugar and, and processed foods. You wake up several mornings a week tired and exhausted even after your sleep, Right? Another common symptom of hurry sickness, escapist behaviors. And this could include things like overeating, drinking too much, binge-watching shows, right? browsing social media all the time, viewing pornography, and anything that can help you escape from reality. That's a, that's a, a symptom of hurry sickness, where, where you're, you're, you're essentially too tired to do anything that's life-giving, and so you turn to distractive, harmful behaviors. And then finally, the last symptom that I'll list here as, as a symptom of hurry sickness is hypersensitivity, where all it takes is, is one little side comment and it throws you off. It puts you in an emotional funk, right? Or all it takes is this ordinary problem of life that comes along and just wreaks havoc on your emotional well-being. And, it's, it's when inconveniences become a big deal. You get a flat tire or somebody shows up late or you're in slow traffic and, and you just can't handle it. That's another symptom of hurry sickness. So how'd you do? I'm guessing that as I'm reading through these symptoms of hurry sickness that we're, all of us, myself included, could be like, oh yeah, I think I, might, I, think I have that symptom. See, Advent is an important season in the church because it invites us to slow down and resist hurry, 
to wait for Christ's coming, to wait for God, to wait for Jesus to come. And so to demonstrate a little bit of just how slow Advent is, I want to read a few verses from the Old Testament from the prophet Zechariah. And Zechariah is one of the books in the Old Testament. It's one of the last books that you can find in the Old Testament. Um, It's not one that's often read, but I want to read two verses from this book just to help demonstrate for us the slowness of Advent. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And you're probably reading this wondering, how does this demonstrate that Advent is slow? How does this demonstrate the slowness of Advent? Well, the prophet Zechariah is foretelling in this prophecy, he's foretelling Jesus coming and riding on a donkey on his way to the cross. When we read the Gospels, we find out that Passion Week, the week that Jesus goes to the cross, he he rides on a donkey into Jerusalem. And so Jesus is heading to the cross, and Zechariah is foretelling this Um, And here's the thing. There's a 500-year gap between Zechariah prophesying this about Jesus and Jesus actually fulfilling it. 500 years. That's a long time. Think about that. That would be like, what, 1522? (laughs) If somebody prophesied something in 1522 and today it happened, that's a long time. And so why did God take so long? Uh, You would think something as important as redeeming the world would be at the top of God's to-do list. Not, not something that would take 500 years to materialize. But not only was there a 500-year wait between this prophecy and Jesus coming to earth, there's also a nine-month pregnancy involved with Jesus coming, right? And then when Jesus finally is born, he grows up in a house where his dad's a carpenter, and he takes up carpentry until he's 30 years old, before he starts his public ministry, before he even starts calling disciples and and doing the Jesus things we read in the Gospels. He's just a carpenter until age 30. See, what this prophecy by Zechariah shows us is this, that we serve a God who is not in a hurry. 500 years Nine-month pregnancy. Let's have Jesus just make things out of wood until he's 30. (laughs) We serve a God who is not in a hurry. And since we're made in his image, we're probably not designed to be in a hurry either. Right? And this is what makes Advent so countercultural. It's the exact opposite of the Christmas season. It's the exact opposite of the way that we live, where we're constantly in a hurry, where we're hurry sick. And so today... I want to give you three reasons to slow down and resist hurry. And then what I want to do is suggest three things for you to try this Advent season to resist hurry. Okay, so preachers, have, they have three points, three things, three things, things to do. So I, I've narrowed it down to three. Here are the three reasons to slow down and resist hurry. Okay, the first one, and I'll unpack each of these. The first one is hurry robs our peace. It robs our peace. 
Secondly, hurry crowds out love. And third, hurry prevents us from experiencing God's joy. It prevents us from experiencing God's joy. Here's the thing. Those three words that I have highlighted on the screen, peace, love, joy, you see them everywhere at Christmas time, right? It's kind of like a Christmas tagline or, or logo, right? Peace, love, and joy. And yet here's the thing. Hurry is incompatible with all those things. And yet Christmas time is a time where we're the most hurried. And so what I want to do is, is just convince you of why we need to resist hurry and slow down. And the first reason to resist hurry is hurry robs our peace. We are less aware of God's presence and peace when we're hurried. Right? A couple weeks ago, uh, my friend Chris and I, who's here, we were in Spain walking the Camino together. And one of the things that I loved about Camino, one of my favorite parts of walking the Camino, was there was no reason at all to hurry. Because the only place we had to go was a smelly bunkhouse, an, an albergue, a hostel. It, it, there was, we just walked. And then when we got there, we laid down. And we slept. And then we got up and walked. There was no reason to hurry. We didn't have to be anywhere to get in. That was so foreign and strange to me. Because I'm someone who's always in a hurry. I keep a Google calendar, and every half hour of my day is logged. I'm having coffee here with this person. I'm doing sermon prep here. I have a board meeting here. Um, I'm going to pick up my daughter from school here. And it's all, and I just race from one thing to the next. Does anybody have that same experience with life? Right? We're constantly in a state of hurry. And so for me, when I was on Camino for, for several days, there was no reason to hurry. There was no place that I had to be at, that I had to rush to. And without any need to hurry, I found myself more aware of God's presence and peace. Right, which is probably why in the Christmas narrative, why the angels appear to shepherds. Because shepherding is a very unhurried occupation. Right? You, you have your slow sheep doing their little slow grazing thing, and they're mulling about, and they're doing their sheep thing, and the shepherd is just kind of, you know. We had David, the shepherd, he's writing songs while he's watching the sheep. It's a very unheard occupation. So it doesn't surprise me then that angels would go to them to announce Christ's coming. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when the angels show up to the shepherds, it says this, they said this to them, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I think it's interesting that, that once the shepherds become aware that God's up to something, there's an announcement and a proclamation of peace that comes. And, and one thing that I've noticed in, in my life, in my walk with God, in my journey with Jesus, is that when I slow down and become aware of his presence, I have more peace in my life. And I, I can't speak for you, but I cannot afford to be robbed of any of God's peace. I need every little bit I can get, right? And so I have to resist hurry and slow down because I need to be aware of God's presence, of his spirit. I need to be filled with his peace. Another reason to resist hurry is that hurry crowds out love. Hurry crowds out love. Uh, when we live a hurried life, 
our relationships are the first thing to suffer. And, and hurry, again, is, is incompatible with relationship and love because relationship and love takes time. Um, early on in, in my pastoral ministry, this is pre-kids, so in my mid-20s, um, I would often, at the church that I, I was on staff at, there's about 400 people in the church, the church I grew up in, um, I would often go to church on Sunday, and, and kind of like how we are here, one of the ways you initiate conversation with somebody is what do you say? How are you? How's it going? Right? It's just a way we initiate conversation. And oftentimes, in that setting, what I found myself doing was saying, oh, I'm good, but busy. Right? You say that before? So, or you've heard somebody say that to you before, or you've said it where somebody says, how are you doing? Good, but busy. Well, good, just busy. And one day, I had a pastor friend of mine challenge me lovingly on that response. And he and I were talking, and, and, and he just pointed out, hey, I noticed like when I ask you how you're doing, you always say you're busy. And, and I'm guessing that you say that with other people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, everything's good, <laughs> but it's also busy. And, and he, he said to me, what do you think that communicates to people when you say that? And I just like, like a deer in headlights, like, I, I don't know. And he said, do you think it might communicate that you're fine, you're good, just don't ask me for any of my time? And I was like, wow, I, I think, yeah, it might communicate that. And I'm thankful that I had a friend who cared about me enough to do that with me in a loving way, right? And, and the funny thing is I look back now and I realize I had all kinds of time. Because time's relative. You know that, right? Like, you're always busy. And, 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 and here's the thing. I had all kinds of time. I just filled it up with stuff. I just filled it up with stuff. Uh, you know, in the 1960s, futurists thought that we as Americans would be working way less due to our technological advances. In fact, in 1967, just 55 years ago, a, a Senate subcommittee was told by these sociological futurists, that by 1985, the average American would only have to work 22 hours a week. And they would only have to work 27 weeks a year. Senate subcommittee, 55 years ago. Technology is going to advance so much, it's going to give us all this extra time. We're only going to have to work half the year and when we work, it's only going to have to be 22 hours a week. Can you, 1985 can't get here soon enough. But what happens? <laughs> what happens? Yeah, the technology gave us more time, but what did we do with it? We said, we could be more productive and more effective. We could fill up this time. See, here's the thing. When we talk about slowing down, when we talk about resisting hurry, the solution is not to find more time because you'll just fill it up with something. The solution is to intentionally slow down and resist hurry, to resist it. And that's why Advent is so countercultural, right? Because it invites us into that. The reason we need it is because it invites us to resist pathological busyness and, and, and chronic hurry. Not, not only does, does hurry um, crowd out love in our human relationships, 
but it also has significant impact on our relationship with God. I, I know for me personally, when I'm living a hurried life, one of my first relationships to suffer is my relationship with God. Um, John, John Ortberg says it this way, that for many of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that will we become, it's that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. And that's what hurry does, right? It causes us to settle for something less. It causes us to settle for a mediocre faith a mediocre relationship with God, mediocre relationship with people in our lives that we're supposed to love and be present for and care for, right? We settle for this mediocre because we have hurry sickness functioning in the background of our hearts and minds and bodies. All right, the third reason to resist hurry is that hurry prevents us from experiencing God's joy. I want to go back to Luke chapter 2. Of course, this is the chapter where the angels show up to the shepherds to announce Christ's birth. And we already read one verse from this chapter, but I want to read verse 10 and 11 from Luke chapter 2. Again, this is the angels talking to the shepherds. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I want you to focus on a phrase in this, in this verse. Good news that will cause great joy. Good news that will cause great joy. Here's something to consider. The shepherd's circumstances didn't change after they saw Jesus. So to be a shepherd in this day, it, it was not a lucrative occupation. Okay, these shepherds were on the night shift, right? It's equivalent to like a, a, you know, a night shift job that, that this doesn't pay well. And so the shepherds are still in servitude to Rome. They still have to work the night shift to scrape by. They're still in the dark about how Jesus is, how this Messiah is going to rescue them. That, yes, Messiah had come, but he's a baby. And, and this shows us two things about God's joy. One, God's joy is slow. And two, God's joy doesn't rely on our current circumstances. It relies on something different. God's, God's joy is not rooted in our current circumstances. It's rooted in the hope of Emmanuel, God with us. And the angels announced, he said, hey, this will cause great joy for all the people. Because now, you have the hope that God is with us. That's what God's joy comes from. It doesn't come from our circumstances. It comes from the hope that God is with us and he's for us and things are broken and things aren't, aren't, aren't the way they should be in my life and in the world, but God is a redeemer and he sent Jesus and Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave so that he could redeem us and restore us and, and heal our brokenness. And so that's where our hope comes from. That's where our joy comes from. Let me ask you this question. Where do you think our hurry comes from? You know, I think if, if you ask somebody, what, why are you so hurried? Where, uh, most of us, myself included, probably say, well, I just don't have enough time. Well, John Mark Comer in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, which I've already referenced, argues that, that hurry really isn't about 
being short on time. He argues that, that hurry is what it's really about is not being satisfied. That much of our hurry is caused by discontentment. That you and I, we have this inextinguishable desire to, to do more, to see more, to feel more, to have more. And so it drives us to hurry. He goes on to say that hurry is a dis-ease that we feel. It's a dis-ease in our soul. And that hurry prevents us from appreciating the things that we already have, the things that God's already given us and blessed us with, the hope that we have in God. And it prevents us from, hurry prevents us from appreciating and entering into his joy. It blinds us to Emmanuel, God with us, right? And we're instead driven by this discontentment. And so, so those are three reasons. I hope it did a good job of convincing you why you need to resist hurry and slow down. Those are three reasons, right? To, it, hurry prevents us from experiencing God's joy. Hurry robs our peace. And, and it crowds out love. Now what I want to do is I want to close by, by giving you um, three ideas that you can try uh, this week to resist hurry. Now there are a lot more than three. I just picked my three favorite that I think you'll hate the most. <laughs> and, and of course there are many, but I'm going to present three. And, and you probably won't like these. You know when you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you you have high blood pressure, you're overweight, you need this, you're that, and they give you things to do and you're like, this is torture. That's what I'm about to, 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 to do here. Okay, here's the first suggested idea I'm going to give you to try this week. Remember, there's only three. If you pick one, you, you, you get a C. If you do two this week, you, you, get, you get a B plus. If you do all three, you get an A. But really... I know these are hard, so I'm just hoping you're going to pick one. <laughs> Here's the first one. Choose the longest line at the grocery store this week. And you say, Adam, you had, this was a great sermon until that, because that is crazy. Why would I do that? It serves no purpose. That only, like, that, that has no function whatsoever to, to help me slow down and resist hurry. Um, I would argue that it's a great way to resist hurry in your soul. When you actually choose, because you know what we do. We calculate things. We're not even thinking about it. Like, what's that line? That lady looks slow. I'm not going behind her. And, and you figure it out. And that cashier like, is, is only uses one hand. And this cashier. We do that subconsciously because we're always in a hurry. That's what hurry sickness does. It, it makes you react in, in, instead of respond. You're reacting subconsciously because you're just so hurried inside. And, and just by choosing intentionally the slowest line in the grocery store, you're resisting the hurry in your soul. And let me give you a couple ideas. When you're in that line, because it's the longest line, take a few extra minutes to slow down and, and, and take your spiritual pulse. Like you're forced to. You're, just, you're stuck in a line. Just take your spiritual pulse. Just pray. Look at the person in front of you and just pray a blessing on them. You don't know them, but pray a blessing on them. Um, take time to look at the cashier when she's scanning your items in, instead of looking at your phone, right? There's something good about seeing a person <laughs> that God wants us to do, right? But if you're like me, when I'm in my line, well, I got this line. I can check my email. I can check Twitter. I can check the weather. And now I'm just checking things. I don't even know what I'm checking. I'm just checking. 
and they're scanning my line. How you doing? Good, good, thanks. Oh, yeah, 1843, okay, here's, here's my card. Okay, thanks, bye. And sometimes I don't even see the person. I couldn't even tell you who, who was that. I don't know. It, 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 it's good just to take time to see. And here, here's the biggest thing that I want you to do when you're standing in line. Remind yourself that what you're really waiting for isn't the end of a grocery store line. What you're really waiting for is Jesus to show up in your life. So take some time to do that. That's one. Okay? You didn't like that one. You're hopeful that the next two will at least be something that's, that's doable and manageable, right? I have bad news for you. <laughs> Here's the second one. You're going to hate it as much as the first, probably more. Drive the speed limit this week. <laughs> and I don't mean seven miles an hour over the speed limit or what you can get away with. Just drive the speed limit. It's going to feel like you're crawling. In fact, your skin might be literally crawling as you're doing that, driving the speed limit. But one of the ways we can measure God's peace in our lives is to pay attention to how we are when we drive. Where's my peace meter right now? If, you're, if, if we're always racing from one thing to the next, listen, you and I are not designed to rev our engines 24-7, seven days a week, always going from one thing to the We're not designed to do that. And when we climb into a car, that's where we go. Again, it's this reactive thing, right? And so when we do something like this, when we drive the speed limit, we remind ourselves that we have limits, right? That we just pull it down, and we have that, that time to say, you know what? Um, I have limits. I'm not designed to just, to just rev my engine and go from one thing to the next. And I want God's peace. I want to be aware of his presence, so I'm just going to slow down. I'm going to resist that hurry. Okay, here's the last one. Last thing for you to try. The first one, find the longest grocery line this week. Second one, drive the speed limit this week. Here's the third one. When you're sitting and talking with someone this week, put away your phone and don't pick it up for any reason while you're talking with the person. If it's chirping at you, because you know, I know, right? Your phone's in your pocket, it's on the table. I put mine on the table, and I, I usually flip it face down so it doesn't light up whenever it texts me, because plus I have, I'm in uh, some threads with my fantasy football buddies. They talk smack. It wouldn't be appropriate for them, people, to read the text. So I have to turn it and sit down. And, 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 and it's buzzing, and it's lighting up, and it's doing these things, right? Here's what I want you to do. Resist the temptation to check that thing when it's chirping at you, when you're sitting with someone talking with somebody. Be present with the person. Finish the conversation you're in before you start a new one with a person who's not with you, <laughs> right? And watch how hard that is. Because every time our phone chirps, every time our phone rings, every time it lights up, there's this dopamine in our bodies. Oh, oh, there's something for me to, to hurry and do. I've got to hurry and respond to this. I, there's an alert. There's something really important, right? And, and we instinctively sometimes pull it out. Oh, just a minute. And, and, you know, we're talking to the, a person here, but we're talking to the person here who just interrupted us, right? So that's the third exercise I'm going to give you to resist hurry. Slow down. Are they hard? Okay, good. I, I hope they're hard. If they're not hard, you need to find harder ones to do. Um, here's the thing that Avent does for us. It, it invites us to slow down, and it invites us to slow down for a reason, not just for the sake of slowing down so that we can wait and anticipate Jesus coming, right? 
How many here say, man, I want Jesus to show up in my life more often than he does? Well, then you have to do this. You have to slow down and resist hurry, and you have to wait. That's why the Advent season is such a great season on the church calendar, because it, it takes a whole church community, and we all enter this season that's countercultural instead of hurrying and getting busier. Yeah, we have all these busy things to do. We have all this, but we are going to intentionally resist that and slow down so that we can become more aware of God's presence, so that we're not robbed of our peace, so that we don't have to crowd out love and relationship, right, so that we can experience God's joy and its fullness. So can I pray for us? Because we're going to need prayer for this, myself included, right? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in humility, recognizing in yeah, recognizing and being aware that we have hurry sickness in our life. And it's 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 not something we do intentionally, but it creeps in and it takes over and um, it really does rob us of, of your peace. It really does crowd out love and relationship. It really does prevent us from experiencing your joy. You Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, I, I first I want to pray for my friends who maybe they're here and they're just hanging on to a thread because they've been at such a high pace. They've just been full throttle. And this might even be the first time and space they've had this week to sit in silence and, and just be still. And their hearts and minds and bodies don't even know what to do with it. They're just so overwhelmed. God, would you encourage them and give them um, the strength that they need, Lord, to, to, to resist her? And would you make up the difference where they're depleted, where they're running on empty, where they're drained? Would you fill their tank with your goodness? with your peace, with your joy, with your hope. Lord, I pray for all of us, that same prayer, that you, you would reveal yourself to, to us in such a way, Holy Spirit, today, that, that we would be waiting for you to do that more often. That what you're doing here now, we'd be waiting and anticipating you'd be doing that tonight and this afternoon and tomorrow when we wake up and why we're going to work and while we're at home with our families and with our roommates and with the people we work with, Jesus, we want to be aware of your presence, your peace, your, 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 your joy, your love. And so help us. Give us the strength and the tenacity that we need to resist hurry and to slow down. We ask all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Why don't we stand and we'll sing together. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.